Hallelujah. God is so good today. I'm going to try to preserve my voice and only uh, preach this morning for probably an hour and a half to two hours. They're laughing like they don't know me like that. Someone asked me, are you going to preach this morning? I said, I said, does Colonel Sanders lick his fingers? Finger licking good. I have to explain it to younger people. You'll catch up in a little while with this. Uh, I reckon he does. Amen. God is good today. I want to talk to you about the threefold blessing of being in God's kingdom. When you got saved, you were an old sinner and you were saved by grace, but you're not an old sinner, praise, saved by grace. Amen. When you got saved, you were an old sinner and you were saved by grace, but you are not an old sinner saved by grace, still bound by the chains of sin. Uh, you have been translated. How many Trekkies do we have here, Star Trek fans? It's okay. I'm not going to get on to you for watching Star Trek. Amen. I like Star Trek. I think it's pretty neat. Science fiction, space, it all comes together in Star Trek. Amen. No naked people. Amen. Amen. You can actually watch Star Trek. Amen. No demons, no devils, few Klingons. But, uh, but they had a neat device, an apparatus where Scotty, if they were down on a planet and they were in trouble and they were about to be destroyed, they would get on the horn and they would call Scotty, who's up in the control room with this device, and they would say, beam me up, Scotty. And somehow or another, they were transported, translated from the place they were in to that place. They were, somehow or another, all the molecules were taken out and reconstituted and they were lifted off of that planet and they were right in the safety of, of, the, of the vehicle they were in in space. Let me read you this scripture and let me say this to you again as we read it. You were an old sinner if you're a Christian. You have been saved by grace, but you are not an old sinner saved by grace. We teach on the now of your salvation, living in the now now, it doesn't appear what we shall be, but now, now that you're saved, the moment you get saved, this is not a process, this is an instantaneous thing that occurs by the Spirit of God. Now, you are the sons of God. And if sons of God, you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Amen. One of the things that will help you overcome that old life is understanding the now of your salvation. If you really understand how completely the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you, now there is no condemnation. There used to be, we were under the justifiable anger called the wrath of God for our sins. But now, therefore, there is no condemnation. Amen? To them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, for the law 
of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. Literally that vicious circle of sin and death. The soul that sins it shall surely die. We kept sinning and the death sentence kept being reimposed upon us. But that law of sin and death is broken when we come to Christ as our Savior. Can you say amen? Let's see if the amens are working. Some of them may be broken, rusty. Amen. But you're, <laughs> amen. They're all working. I thought some of them were rusty or broken there for a minute. This is a good thing to amen. You know what amen means? It's not just sickum preacher. Can you say amen? That's not what it means. Amen means be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. I tell you, the amens are going to work too good. We're just going to amen everything. <laughs> Told you. Praise God. Be it unto me. How many want it to be unto you according to his word? Not according to what the devil says or what the world says or your own conscience says or anybody else says. But be it unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. Now we are the sons of God. We can call God our heavenly father, not our force in the universe. That's where the Trekkies have to get on, get off the, get off the enterprise. And, hallelujah. Praise God. And get out of science fiction and get into spiritual reality. You were an old sinner. You have been saved by grace. But now you are the sons of God. And if you're a son of God, you're an heir of God. And if you're an heir of God, you're a joint heir with Jesus. And to prove it, he said to his followers, his disciples, he said, everything that the Father has is mine. Well, of course it is. He's the only begotten Son of God. Everything the Father has is mine. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when you have been sanctified within, I'm not talking about the outside of you, because that's a work in progress. How many know you have not arrived to sinless perfection in that part of you? It's not a license to sin. It's a reason to keep trusting God in spite of your weaknesses and your faults and your failures. So, so he, sent, he simply cleanses you to such a degree. Jesus said everything the Father has is mine. And when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Ghost comes, he will take of mine and he will S-H-E-W. It's a different word than S-H-O-W. S-H-O-W is give you a revelation. S-H-E-W is to communicate it to you in a realization of it. There's a difference. In Holy Communion, we show the Lord's death. Not S-H-O-W, but S-H-E-W. We proclaim publicly the Lord's death until He comes. When the Holy Ghost comes, He bears witness that you are a son of God. His Spirit does what? Bears witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. Everything the Father has is mine, but when He comes, comes where? Just comes into the service, shows you something out of the Word? No. When He comes to live in you. When He comes to abide within you. Everybody's not baptized in the Holy Ghost. But everyone who gets saved has to have the Holy Ghost come within them. Father can't live within you unless the Holy Ghost manifests him. Son can't live within you without the Holy Ghost testifying of him and manifesting him, mediating his presence in your life. Don't tell me that a, there's a Christian out there just because they don't speak in tongues, they don't have 
the Holy Spirit. They're not the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way, plain terms. When you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit or you wouldn't be saved because if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. But when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, he has you. There's a vast difference in you having him and him having you. For everywhere it says full of the Holy Ghost, a man full of the Holy Ghost or filled with the Holy Ghost in the New Testament, it means filled with and controlled by. Can you say man? That's what it means to be full of the Spirit. It doesn't mean to say come tie my bow tie 14 times on Sunday morning. Can you say man? That was, that's not tongues, you understand? You can do that without the Spirit giving you utterance. There was actually some people out trying to get people filled with the Spirit and tell them, say, come tie my bow tie, come tie my bow tie. And say, you got it. No, you didn't. You just parroted what somebody told you. The Holy Ghost don't give utterance. It's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Listen to me carefully. You can have the Holy Spirit when you get saved, but you can get filled with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit have you. That's why. The Scripture speaks of everyone that is filled with the Spirit or full of the Holy Ghost, a man full of the Holy Ghost. It would read this way in the Greek, filled with and controlled by. Filled with. The sons of God are what? Controlled by. Led by the Spirit of God. When you're controlled by. Oh, by the way, what is the first evidence that you're controlled by the Holy Ghost? Something that you can't tame, that you can't whip. That you can't overcome without Him. Please, please know I'm not making a face at you. And don't nobody take a selfie of me. Pastor suck his tongue out at me Sunday morning and I'm never going back there to church. Never so, how rude. The Bible said the tongue is a little member. But great ships are turned by the rudder. That means it can set the direction of your life on a course. That's why the mouth becomes so important. Your mind matters and your mouth matters. The Bible said, though, though it has such power for good, it can be used for evil. It can bring great good, great harm. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. The Bible said the tongue, because it's connected to an unrenewed mind, is an unruly evil set on fire of hell itself. The devil himself has such an influence in that life. No man can tame it. It's like the lady that used to have the pastor for dinner every Sunday, eat him up and criticize him. No one in this church, no lady would do that. Give me fist bump, give me fist bump. All right. Talked about everybody in the church, criticized everybody, tried to find every fault and tell it and magnify it and glorify it in it. Finally, she became convicted one Sunday. She came up and it's a very huge church with a big, long platform. She told the pastor as the story goes. The pastor knew she was doing it. He was glad she was repenting. But he just had the, enough of the flesh not in control that he, he, 
he wanted wanted her to know that he knew. So she said, Pastor, she said, I'm coming forward this morning. I have criticized you. I've criticized your wife. I've criticized your children. I've criticized this church and all the people in it. And I want to put my tongue on the altar. He looked this way, altars ran way out that way, and altars ran way out there. And he said, ma'am, I don't think the altars are long enough. The tongue is an unruly evil set on fire of hell. Who can tame it? No man can tame it. You can't. As long as you're unregenerate and your mind is not renewed and you're not filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. But when you are filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit, what is the first evidence that you're truly, that if you keep yielding to Him, He will really, really be in control. And they were all filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And that initial part of us that no man can tame... And they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Hallelujah. What, why was that such an evidence? Because it was a, everyone heard them in their own language? No, that was a testimony to them. But the evidence of God being in control through the Holy Spirit was that this member that no man can tame is now under God's control and not our old carnal mind or our old flesh. Amen? By the way, there are people in here that talk defeat all week long because you want sympathy. Your tongue is a rudder. He said it's a rudder. And if we keep being defeated, then we need to reset the rudder. Amen? We need to reset the rudder. If you don't like where your, your ship is docked, you know, there are people that go, go home from this service today with all the possible victory in it. And you're going to go sit in your room, in the gloom, and ponder doom. How do you know? Because your face is communicating. Amen? The eyes of him that's joyful rejoices others. David talked about his face showing his, his discouragement. He said, he said, soul, he talked to himself. Everybody, everybody said he talked to himself. He talked to himself. He said, soul, why are you disquieted, discouraged, depressed, cast down within me? Hope thou in God. For he shall yet be the what? The health of thy countenance. If it's really happening on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. By the way, what's happening on the inside right now is showing on the outside right now. Vance Havner, not me, not me and not you. Let's get us out of this mess, this circle. Vance Havner said of his congregation, great preacher of old, he said, I've seen happier faces on iodine bottles than in my congregation on Sunday morning. That's a sad statement. Amen. Because the Bible said, Blessed are they that know what? The joyful sound. 
There's never been a revival. According to the great revivalists and those who chronicle the great moves of God down through the centuries, there's never been a revival without joyous singing. The tongue got involved with what was happening in the spirit and in the mind and in the life. Never been a revival without joyous singing. Listen, the book of Psalms said when God turned again the captivity of Zion, when he brought them back to their homeland, began to restore their fortunes, they began to rebuild those old waste cities and and restore the relationship, the covenant relationship with God. It said when that occurred, it was so mighty. It was so wonderful. After all of those years, down in Babylon, where they hung their harps on the willow trees and served as slaves to Nebuchadnezzar. But when God said enough, and when God says enough, Nebuchadnezzar and all his powerful kingdom meant nothing. God was going to bring them out in spite of him. When he got ready to deliver them from Egypt, amen, Pharaoh and all his army couldn't stop God. When, when God moves by his spirit in response to the repentance of his people to restore them, there is nothing, there is no one, there's no demon, there's no devil, there's no darkness, there is no chain, there is no prison, there is no circumstance that's going to stop him. Can you say amen? And that move of God is so mighty. So mighty, said when God began to do it, they had lived under that bondage so long, that defeat and depression so long. He said when God turned the captivity of Zion, we were as those that dream. This was too good to be true. Are we dreaming this? Or is it truly happening? Peter is in prison. They're holding him over to kill him. But they fear him. They don't know what it is about these guys. But they know it's not normal. There's something supernatural that is in their life. So they don't just put him in prison. They put him in the inner prison. That's a jail within the jail. I have a testimony we played one time for you about a guy in England. He said, I was... I was. I fought. I robbed. I cursed. I did everything I could wrong. And he said they put me in jail. And he said I'm in jail. And I looked over, and somebody took my sausage. You know that's that English breakfast with sausage. He said I looked over, to my right, and I said, "Where's my sausage?" And he said, guy looked up at me, sitting, and I knew he had to take it because no one else took it because I was talking to the guy on my left. He said, so I jumped on him. And he said, and then I went to jail for being a criminal, and I was so mean in jail, they put me in isolation. They put me in jail, in a jail within the jail. But he said, in that jail within a jail. And in that prison of darkness that I was living in, when I called on Jesus, He set me free. Hallelujah. And He gave His testimony. Went down as a missionary to South America. Didn't know nobody. Didn't have anybody sponsoring Him. Just felt led to go to South America and preach. Got down in South America. Said I was standing on a street corner. And a guy dropped on that corner. 
and a bunch of people gathered around him, tried CPR. It didn't work. And somebody said, he's gone. In other words, he's dead. He breathed out. And there's no pulse. He said the Lord spoke to him. Now, this is the guy that they put in a jail within the jail. He was so bad. He said, he said the Lord spoke to me and said, go pray for him. He said, what? He said, go pray for him. What do you want me to pray? He said, just go lay hands on him and say in the name of Jesus. He said, I just went over there. They backed off because they thought I was a doctor or something. Gave me because I came with such confidence and said, I laid hands on his chest. And I, I said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's all he said. He didn't know, you know, he didn't know all the mechanics of faith and the principles he just said in the name of jesus and god wanted him to live but he needs somebody to pray according to his will and he just said in the name of jesus and said all of a sudden the guy went (gasps) and began to breathe and his heart began to beat he said somebody come up out of the crowd and said Will you come and preach for us? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. That's, that's pretty good qualification right there. Hallelujah. Took no credit for it. Didn't hardly know what he was doing, but he knew who could do it and who would do it if he wanted it done. Hallelujah. And he was bold enough because of his background to come through that crowd and lay hands on that fellow. God is such a great and mighty God this morning. Amen. The supernatural is still available to the church of Jesus Christ and to the Christian. Amen. We think only the devil has got it. The devil flaunts the supernatural. Amen. We kind of suppress it in many circles because we're so afraid of wild fire. We end up with no fire. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. We've got to get God out of the religious box. We've got to turn him loose because God loves to move. Can you say, man, as it is written, saith the Lord, I will live in them and I will move in them. The word is paramble. It's where we get perambulate. Those perambulators in England are called prams. Because you can take that baby anywhere you want to take that baby. It's where you put a baby in when you're ready to go somewhere. And I believe God is ready to move. I don't believe God is the problem. I don't believe God is sitting aloof in His heaven letting people go to hell, amen, and not caring. I believe God still saves today. I believe God still heals today. I believe angels still are are available to come to our deliverance and our aid today. I believe the Holy Spirit will give you more than a liver shiver on Sunday morning. I believe if He gets a hold of your tongue, you'll quit talking defeat. You'll quit talking fear. You'll quit talking depression. I believe you'll have a testimony. Amen to the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And you will have it before He shows it to you so He can show it to you. Somebody said, come on. He can't show you what you're saying until you say something that is true about Him. He's not going to confirm your accusation of unfaithfulness. Oh, i got to save my voice. I'm going to need it later. Don't amen anymore. Oh, come on. I'll, God will help me. Hallelujah. There's some people in here that have been down so long, it looks like up to them. Amen. Lower than a snake in a ragging wood. 
wagon what? A ragging, a ragging rut, a wagon rut. It's amazing. Therefore I believed, therefore have I spoken. With the heart, man believes, but it's incomplete faith, even for salvation. With the heart, man believes, but with the mouth, with the mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Amen. Therefore, hold fast your confession of faith. Let me clarify that confession. It's not just being positive. We're not talking about the power of positive thinking or just mouthing the right words. The word confess, profession, hold fast your profession of faith, is the word confession in the Greek. And it means not to just say the right thing, but to say the same thing as another. And what makes it right is because God said it first before you said it. He said, listen, can I show you how this works? Say, I'm going to anyway, but, you know, we could, we could, we could come into agreement here today. Hebrews 13.5, say it would be Hebrews 13.5. Listen to how confession works. He hath said. Now see, the Word of God has to get more relevant to you than what you feel, what is happening, what your circumstance is, and what you see. While we look not at the things which are seen, for they are what? Temporary. And that means they're all subject to change. But we look at the things that are eternal. We look at the things... That are not seen, for they are eternal. The Word of God is eternal. God is eternal. The Spirit of God is eternal. Hebrews 13.5 says, He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now what is our response? How are we to react to what He said? That we might boldly say, you see, your profession, your confession is to say the same thing as another, and that other is God Himself. By His Spirit and through His Word. He has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. From that moment, if you really believe that and give it the credibility and the veracity that it has, because God said it first. If you say, I just feel like God has forsaken me. You're not saying what God said. You're saying what you feel. You're saying what your search says. Now, see, there's great conviction here. Somebody says, boy, I felt a heavy spirit. Yeah, we're heavily convicted. Amen? That convicts me. Sometimes I give in, don't realize it, and I'm confessing something I feel and see instead of what he said. And if you would confess what he said, you say, And I get this all the time. I don't just get it in people saying it to me. I get it in attitudes that come back while I'm preaching. I become highly sensitive to attitudes. And if you see me do like this sometime, like I'm preaching to somebody that don't exist over here, amen, it's because I'm not getting an attitude from them. It's not like a ping pong ball, you know, coming back at me. But you want to know the attitude? I'm not going to say it. See, we think this is a virtue. 
we don't count it as doubt and fear and unbelief. We count it as a virtue. Well, Brother Venable, we get that religious voice. God knows the truth, and I'm a person of truth. And I'm not going to say anything that ain't so. It's not so because you say it. It's not not so because you don't say it. It's so because God said it. Remember the song? Jesus said it. I believe it. And it's so? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It ain't so when you believe it. It's so when He said it. You think you have to confirm God? You don't need to do that. You need to line up with Him. Amen? I mean, if you ever get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you might want to learn something, not just hear it, but apply it to your life. How can you have victory today after what you've been through? Because I'm applying what I've been preaching my whole life to my life. I want to model it. Anybody can tell it, teach it. But when the heat is on, you've got, to, you've got to grow up and you've got to stand up and you've got to stand on the Word of God. Hallelujah. We keep confessing what we feel we'll never have victory. If we keep confessing what we see circumstantially, we will never have victory. While we look not at the things which are seen, the immediate circumstances, the temporal circumstances, but we look at the things which are unseen. For everything we see is temporal, subject to change. But the unseen world is where the stability is. The eternal word of the living God is so absolutely settled. Hallelujah. That heaven will pass away. Earth will pass away. But my word will abide forever. Hath he not said it? And will he not do it? Can you say amen? I have believed. Therefore have I spoken. I'm not talking about name it, claim it. I'm talking about lining up with God's word. Because it is God's word. The answer's on the way. This I know. Jesus said it. I believe it and it's so. No, the answer's on the way. This I know. Because Jesus said it. And thy word is what? Forever settled in heaven. And the Lord's prayer said, what you got settled in heaven, let it happen right here. Thy will be done on earth as it is where? Where it's already settled there. But let it manifest here. On earth as it is in heaven. It's part of the keys to the kingdom of God. Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth, it doesn't say he will bind. In the actual Greek, it says he's already bound in heaven. You discover what he has bound and is forever settled in heaven, and then you declare it here. Hallelujah. I said you declare it here. You have to declare you're saved. You can't put it under a bushel. You can't hide it. You can't be one of God's secret agents. God doesn't have any. I'm undercover for God. No one knows I'm a Christian. I can't let them find out. 
No. Confession is made. And if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father and his angels. But if you're ashamed of me before men because you love the praise of men more than salvation, more than your soul, more than the praise of God, then I will deny you before. See, it's not complete without the tongue. It's incomplete without the tongue. Man, I worked with for years when I was bivocational. Somebody said something to him. He said, well, my religion is a private thing. It's a private thing. And I thought, no, you can't keep. If you got the true religion, which means a relationship with God through Christ, not just a denominational affiliation, you can't keep that private. You won't keep it private. I began to pray for him because I knew he was probably raised in church and thought he could get into the kingdom by osmosis. And I tell people all the time, sitting in the garage, sitting in church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting you in, sitting in the garage will make you a Buick. You can go sit under the carport all day long, you'll never become a car. But I begin to intercede for him. And lived the life before him. And he stayed away from me because I could tell he was embarrassed by any talk about your soul or church or religion or God. But I began to intercede for him. It took about three years of intercession. And one day he'd come in beaming. And one day he'd come in smiling. And it wasn't private anymore. What he has was public. Amen. He'd come over to me and said, Rev! Rev! They all call me Rev. Not because I'm revved up all the time, but I am. But that's not why. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. They wouldn't let you use nicknames on that job because some of them are derogatory. So when they gave you your jackets, they wouldn't let a nickname be. You couldn't go by your nickname. You had to go by your first name, except for mine. The only person in a plan of 300 that had rev right here. Amen. Hallelujah. They made an exception for me. And I thank God for it. But he came up and he said, Rev, Rev, guess what happened to me over the weekend? He said, I hadn't been to church in years, Rev, but I went to church. And he said, Rev, I got saved. And I thought, well, it's not private anymore. It's public. Hallelujah. You're confessing him before men because it really happened in your heart. Hallelujah. Now the mouth is giving evidence of what has occurred in the heart. You're not ashamed to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus before men. He's going to confess you before the Father and his angels. Can you say man? Hallelujah. See, the Holy Spirit wants to come in. He wants to get a hold of this because your rudder is putting you into a port somewhere. If you don't like where your ship is docked or where it's headed, you've got to change the rudder. And the rudder is sitting between your teeth. But it's connected to your heart. And then the mind has to be renewed. And that's why we've got the Word. And that's why to come to church... Because when you got saved, you had that old mind that needs to be renewed. The Spirit's already been regenerated, but the mind has to be renewed. 
when you get renewed in the spirit of your mind, what happens when your spirit and your mind come into agreement? Amen. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and you agree with the Word of God. Then you start believing it in your heart and confessing it with your mouth. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but it's incomplete. And the mouth confesses unto salvation. Glory to that total deliverance. And so this guy, man, he would come in. He started buying Christian, Christian music. He had, you know, truck driving music. He had, give me 40 acres and I'll turn this rig around. And then he had the, you know, how much tequila did I drink? There was somebody here, relatives of somebody that's here. And I won't say who or what or when, so don't even try to figure it out. But I said that song about, you know, uh, Jose Cuero. You know, did I, did, I, did, I, did, I, did I dance on the table? Did I kick out the light? Did I get in a fight? And there was a young man in here and said, I was drinking Jose Cuero last night and partying. How did he know? Well, I didn't know. If you kept your mouth shut, nobody else would have known. Amen? He knows what to say. He knows who's here. He knows what we need. And right now, we need to, oh, hallelujah. We need to rejoice that we are children of the Most High God. And as the Bible said, we have been, let me just read it so I can say I read something from the Word. We get a whole lot of Word before we read the Word. Listen to what it says. Colossians 1, 12 through 14, as we try to close. We've got to have a transition here in just a little while. Two o'clock, by the way, is the memorial service for my son. And if you need to go take a break, go get something to eat, come and eat dessert or whatever, then, then feel free to do so. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us collectively from the power of darkness and translated us, say beat me up, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You were an old sinner. But if you're a Christian today, you have been saved by grace. You were an old sinner. You have been saved by grace. But you're not an old sinner saved by grace. Now you are a son of the Most High God. And thereby you are authorized to begin your prayer with a confession that is true. Our Father, not the force, the man upstairs however you want to refer to Him, if you refer unto Him anything less than the relationship that you now have through the blood of Jesus Christ and your testimony, amen, I don't believe He's listening. Is there an echo in here? Why would He bother listening to someone that won't even acknowledge what He has said to you and what Jesus has done for you? Alcoholics Anonymous has helped a lot of people. 
Because they say, call on a higher power. This is, my, this is my father. Come on, the Christian faith doesn't allow for a higher power. He is the higher power, but he has a name. He's a person. When you get saved, you're supposed to be in a personal relationship with him. He said, if anybody opens that door, I'm coming in. I'm going to sup with him. He's going to sup with me. And the apostle said, therefore, truly, our fellowship, our koinonia is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you don't get this right, you're not going to get prayer right. He said, herefore, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask who? Ask the Father. In the name of who? In the name of Jesus, our intercessor, our great high priest. So he says, heretofore you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive so that your joy might be full. Now if the only joy you have is a liver shiver on Sunday morning, Sunday morning. For all you that drove a Hyundai to church. Got me confused when I saw that H on the front. Shouldn't have looked out the window to see if you were here. Heretofore, you haven't asked the Father anything in my... The Father, the Father, the Father. I go to my Father and what? Your Father. My God and your God. My Father and your Father. Your Father. How do you pray? You begin it with an act. An acknowledgement that you are a son of the living God. You're not an old sinner saved by grace, bound by sin or Satan. You're a child of the Most High God. You're part of the royal family. God is your Abba Father. Everybody say Abba. First words formed by an infant when they recognize their father is not Father. Father. No, it's a word they can say. A word they can comprehend and speak with their what? Their tongue. What do they say? Abba in the Aramaic. Abba. What do we say? Dada. Two syllables. Acknowledging what? That we've recognized our daddy. I used to have a guy sit on my desk. Had the Ten Commandments. I had an answer with there. I had a little, little guy sitting there with the Ten Commandments. You know, caricature of Moses. Said, take two tablets and call me in the morning. Do what God says and everything will be all right. And that's while that's true. But I like the other one somebody gave me. I had it sitting on my desk years ago. It said, any, gave it to me for Father's Day. It said, anybody can be a father. In other words, anyone, any man can father a child. Anybody can be a father. But it takes real love to be a daddy. And without disrespect, when we say Abba Father, with no disrespect. See, when Jesus needed, when he prayed as a man in the garden, in one of the Gospels, he pre prefaced the prayer in the garden this way. Because what was coming was so overwhelming to his natural man. He needed his father's grace and love, nearness and presence. And he dropped all the formalities and prayed in that vital relationship that's necessary for fellowship and real help when you're hurting. Abba, Father. This is Jesus saying, Abba. 
He's 30 years of age, 33 years of age. He's headed for the cross and he says, Abba, Father. And he was the only person who could say that to God. He was called the only begotten Son of God. But after the cross, everyone that came to him in faith became a Son of God. And the Holy Spirit could come and live within you and live within me. And when we say what is really true about our relationship, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit says, that's right. He bears witness. The Bible said He bears witness when we say Abba, that we might cry Abba, Father, with no disrespect. And that means I have a relationship with Him. It is personal. It is intimate. Hallelujah. It is very real. I'm not praying to a God who is disenchanted with me and disenfranchised from me, sitting aloof in His heaven. I'm praying to my Heavenly Father. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I don't drink root beer anymore. I got super sanctified. Pentecostal hooch, right? You can drink all the root beer you want. You drink it. Okay, I used to love root beer. So my daddy knew that I love root beer. And my daddy, because he knew I would come and visit him, he kept the root beer. No one could drink it. If anybody visited, it was off limits. Because his root beer drinking son was going to come see him. And when I went to the door of my father's house, they, the cops stopped three times and told them because of their age and vulnerability to a bad road where some characters walked up and down and said, you need an alarm system. And you know what they did, my grandma? She pointed to her chihuahua. If chihuahuas were, if chihuahuas were Great Danes, they would kill lions. They, they think they're that big. She said, ain't nobody coming through that door. And it was a screen door with one of those little latches on it. Ain't nobody coming through that door. He'll eat them up. He'll eat them up. I never knocked on my daddy's door. You know why I never knocked on my daddy's door? Because I was always welcome at my daddy's house. I didn't have to knock and ask if I could come in. The door was always open for me. Even the dog didn't bark when I came. Because the dog knew he's all right. Amen. He's okay. I would walk in and say, Dad, are you here? He said, Bobby. And he'd come out. He'd say, wait a minute. And I didn't have to ask for a root beer either. Because he knew I liked root beer. My daddy went in and grabbed that root beer. I thought, boy, Lord, if my dad was a millionaire, he wouldn't give me a root beer. He'd throw me the keys to an Escalade. (laughs) He would. You know he would. You know my daddy. He'd give his shirt off his back if he had one. (laughs) If he just had one. God was good, but I could walk in there. And Jesus is telling me through the Word of God. Heretofore, you haven't asked anything in my name. 
Ask who? Ask the Father. Ask that you might receive that your joy be full. For the Father himself loveth thee. And before I quit, and I've been trying to quit. Just think if I didn't try to quit, how long it would be. I've been trying to quit for the last half hour. But you look like you're having a little bit of fun with me today. In John 17, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer is not the Lord praying. It's the Lord showing us the pattern for all prayer. And it all begins with a confession, our Father. Before any petition, before any use of faith beyond that, it begins with an acknowledgement and confession that we're not just sinners saved by grace, we're sons of God. And God is our Heavenly Father. And if you fathers, being evil in your past and according to your natural man and flesh, know how to give good things to your children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give good things to them that ask Him? One other gospel says, give the Holy Ghost to them that ask Him. And Paul put it this way, let me finish. Oh, Lord, let me finish. I'm so full of you this morning. Hallelujah. Paul said, if the Father loved us enough to give us His only begotten Son, did He? That's got to count for something. That's got to transcend your depression. That's got to lift you out of that hole that the devil wants to keep you in and cover you up. I'm loved to that degree. If the Father loved us enough to give us His only begotten Son, how will He not? Also with Him freely give us all things. What things? Everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that you need to live in victory here and to please Him there. He has given us in Jesus Christ and He will respond to us and He will answer us because we have a Father. And we don't have to ask. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Hallelujah. 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 A king in his castle put two guards. He had, to, he had to come to a conclusion that could mean war, going to war with another country. As the story goes, I forget what country he was king of, but he closed those doors to his royal chambers while he sought wisdom for the answer. He posted two guards armed with swords at the door and said don't let anyone come into my chambers and they stood there on guard for two or three hours and no one approached a little boy about eight years old very precocious little eight year old come running through the castle and before they could stop him he went right by him because they didn't see him as a threat, didn't know where he was going, and he burst into the king's chamber. And they ran in to grab him and pull him out. And the little boy turned around and looked at him and said, It's okay. He's my daddy. And you know what happened? The king, in the middle of all of his responsibilities and pressure, says, It's okay. He's my son. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The only one trying to keep you out of the presence of God is the devil. The only one trying to keep you out of the king's chamber is your own conscience that God wants to cleanse with the washing of the word and the washing of the blood of Jesus. Can you say, man? I see Christians sitting in church on Sunday, don't know, they can't enter in, they can't enter in, they can't enter in. I see them praying as if God don't listen. I see them living as if he's unfaithful, a testimony to the unfaithfulness of God. That's got to change. That's got to change. I don't know who you serve, but my God is a great God. He's a gracious God. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a faithful God. Can you say amen? I said, I don't know what God you are serving that keeps you cast down and defeated and depressed. My God is an uplifting God. My God is a delivering God. My God is a prayer answering God. My God is my Father. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Abba. Father. God has given us not just the liver shiver on the Sunday morning, but the spirit of adoption spirit of adoption yes the Holy Spirit can now come and live in you because God has accepted you in the beloved and made you his own so he's now called the spirit of adoption don't just seek power seek the understanding appreciation and appropriation of who you are in Jesus Christ today he has sent who? Am I, am I accurate? Come on, we got Bible scholars. Did he send the spirit of adoption? Is the Holy Spirit called the spirit of adoption? Well, see, we Pentecostals just been looking for power. And here we are. We don't know who we are in Jesus, and we won't use the power. We don't have the faith to utilize it. We got the sword of the Spirit, never take it out of the sheath. It sits on the table, the coffee table for decoration. Pastor goes home with a family to have dinner with them. They want to impress him. They had put the, all the books on the second level of the coffee table that they normally kept and read. And they pulled out that dusty old family Bible, sit it on top of the coffee table. They told their son because they were having coffee in the kitchen with carrot cake. I know you're going to go somewhere and get something now. Amen. <laughs> They were having carrot cake and coffee. And they told their son, little Johnny. It's always Johnny, isn't it? I'll never name a child Johnny. He gets into too much trouble. Amen. Anyway, they told little Johnny. They said, Johnny, because they put the Bible out on top, but they put what they normally read down in the second level of the coffee table, two level. They said, Johnny, go and get that big book that we're always reading. Johnny's eyes got big and he run in there real quick. Because they were looking up a scripture they wanted to ask a question about. He ran in there real quick and come back with the Sears catalog. <laughs> Johnny, don't be fronting. He's telling the truth. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. We need, to get it. we need to get it in our heart. Until it gets into our life. 
until we don't even have to knock on the door. We come boldly. I know I'm welcome. I know I'm welcome. Hallelujah. I know I'm welcome. I know what happens when I start to pray and I confess openly in my prayer. Abba, Father, our Father, my Father. Hallowed be thy name. See, you don't lose reverence. You can keep the reverence and still have the intimacy. I respected and reverenced my dad my whole life, but I never knocked on the door of his house. Because I knew I was always welcome. I never asked him for a root beer because I knew it was in the fridge waiting on me. I didn't have to beg him and plead with him. And I don't beg and plead with my heavenly father heretofore you've asked nothing in my name ask that you might receive that your joy may be full I do not say that I shall pray for you for the father himself loves you and let me finish with this really Somebody say, really? Thank you. Amen. John 17 is the real prayer. This is what he prayed for not just his disciples, but for all them that would believe on him. And that means it's, it's toward us today, every child of God. Father, don't take them out of the world. See, the light would be gone. The salt would be gone. But keep them from the evil one. And Father, you know how I'm in you. And you're in me. And we are one. I want them, everyone that believes, to be one in us. Just like I'm in you. Was that prayer answered? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been baptized into one body. The body of the who? The Lord Jesus Christ. We've been placed in Christ by the Spirit. Christ has been placed in us by the Spirit. Just like the Father and the Son in relationship. But then he prayed something else. He said, Father, you know how you love me? This is what chokes me up, makes me want to dance at the same time. Father, you know how you love me. Father, I pray that you love them with the same love. Where you have loved me. You that are trying to get him to love you. Get him to help you. Get him to notice you. You're already there. Growing as a Christian is not. How far you've traveled down the road. But. Because some people have been traveling on the road for years. And never have got it yet. But it's discovering, it's not getting more from God. It's discovering what was yours from the onset. And you're not going to discover that out in this world. You're not going to discover it in a little religious relationship on Sunday. You know I don't have no sermons like that. Every Sunday is a challenge. Some people can't take the heat. They think it's heat to be challenged on your walk. Challenged on your faith. Challenged on your confession. Oh, I preach myself in an altar so often. Amen. I do. I go home and pray about me. Some of you go home and pray about them. 
Boy, you should have been to church this morning. He really told them. Mm-hmm. Boy, he let them have it. Oh, sweet Jesus. Help me to be gracious. Can you say amen and stay sanctified? I've been in this thing. Lord, I've seen it all. And I'm still seeing it, Brother Taylor. It never ends. I've seen the devil glorified. I was in a church meeting with somebody who said, one time the devil's been on us all week. Bless his holy name. Because they got so used to saying all those Pentecostal slogans. Another guy came up to a pastor and said, Pastor, Pastor, the devil's been telling me I'm not saved. And the devil's been telling me that God won't listen to me. And the devil's been telling me that God don't love me. Have you got a word for me? He said, I sure do. Quit listening to the devil. Amen. Amen. At some point, you've got to grow up. And when you grow up, you've got to stand up. Hallelujah. Praise God and stand on the word of God and declare it with your own mouth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God can confirm it. Do you realize I want you blessed and I don't want to see you defeated and I'd like to see you come out of depression and I'd like to turn your frown upside down. Hallelujah. For the glory of God. If I can do this under my circumstances, I believe you can give him a praise. And I believe you can live for him. And if you're not walking with him, I believe you can come back to him. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. And I'm not going to ask you to run and, and, you know, blubber on the altar. Because you've got to make a decision somewhere in your life. And blubbered on the altar without making that decision. I've seen snot on the altar after people prayed. Their nose run. Amen. Their tears run. But they didn't run the race when they got up. Come on. Snot on the altar don't mean nothing to me. But when you decide, God allows for U-turns. Everybody say, God allows for U-turns. Repentance is not just... Weeping at an altar. It's making a quality decision. I'm not going to stay on this road. I know where it leads. I'm going to change roads. I'm going to change kings. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. It's a 180 degree turn. It's what repentance is. You, oh, hallelujah. You can't change yourself, but you can change your mind. Can, and when you change your mind and invite Jesus in, He can change your life. And you say, well, I can't get free of that sin. He can break it. He's a sin breaker. He's a way maker. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I praise you. He's a great and mighty God, and we're getting ready to sing about it. Would you stand? Say, Brother Bim, you got to make an altar call? No, God done made it. You have responded in your heart, or coming down here ain't going to make a bit of difference. I wish I could. Sometimes he leads me to make an altar call, but not this morning. We've already knelt in too many altars. And not walked it out and lived it out. And I believe the devil's defrauded us of what was ours. And we didn't acknowledge it, didn't appreciate it, and therefore we didn't appropriate it in our life. And when you find out who you are, how saved you are, 
how sanctified you are and how loving God is to grant that to you. You'll want to serve him in the day you want to. The devil can't stop you because you'll have all heaven's resources to help you live for God and to help you overcome. But he won't override your will. Whosoever will, let him come and let him drink of the river of life freely. I hope somebody comes to the Lord like my son came full circle and came back to Christ. He did. You wasn't there. I was. I got to hear it. I got to see it. And he's getting the blessing of his decision right now. Praise God. And we are too. Hallelujah. God is so good. Down in Africa, people listen to our broadcast. They listen to this service. This morning we'll go to Africa. And we have a church down there listening and a pastor that contacted the radio station because God lets a little church and a little preacher with a message that can break the yoke and set the captive free. He takes it to the world through the media. And we're so grateful for a poor boy's lunch church that God is using to touch the world from this little spot. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody going to get saved. Somebody going to get delivered. Somebody going to get set free. And somebody going to get healed. Because we have and you have a great and a mighty God. Thank you for your attention and your attentiveness today.